Psalms 119, verse 45. Tonight I'm gonna uh, I want to do a message on one of the Baptist distinctives, and um, I, I don't know, this one's special to me. I remember before, um, well, it was a few years before we started the church. I had read a book um, on Christian liberty, and when I read that book, man, I just it really gave me an understanding of you know liberty. As the way the Bible speaks of it, like I never had before, and I decided then I was like, you know, if I ever start a church, I'm naming it Liberty Baptist Church because I just I love that word. But you know what, Satan, you know, Satan's a pervert, all right, you know, and perverts, you know, they're not always just uh, you know people who do the nasty physical stuff, but perverts or anything, they just mess up, you know, they they twist things, they lie. There's people that pervert scriptures. There's perversions of the Bible. And there are people that have perverted doctrines, and it'll take some of the greatest doctrines. There's, uh, you know, for example, you know, just doctrines of grace, uh, the way some people have perverted that and made grace mean something that it doesn't mean. And the doctrine, you know, doctrines of liberty is another one that has been perverted by perverts. Okay, not physical perverts necessarily, but spiritual perverts who have perverted the. the Teachings of God, you know, the, the doctrines of God, and this individual soul liberty is a term that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Individual soul liberty, or another term that's used for it is soul competency, and this is one of the major Baptist distinctives. This doctrine, this is nothing new. It has been well, it's been around as long as the Bible's been around. But you know, I've got one book in my office. It's the Baptist Confession of 1689. And it talks about this very subject in there. And when you read it too, I mean, it goes into great detail. It's got Scripture and it's just uh, the way it is worded is, is beautifully done. It is right on the money. And it's not the way it's being taught by people today. And so I want us to look at a few verses of Scripture and then I want to kind of talk about uh, you know what's being pushed out there, especially on the Internet, Okay. You know, thank, I thank the Lord for the Internet. It's a great way to get information out there, but it's also a great way to get disinformation out there. And most preachers today are so stinking lazy when it comes to their Bible study, it's just a lot easier to Google something and just go off somebody else's study on the Internet than it is doing your own study. And these guys, they go out there and they'll find some guy on the Internet, they'll find some blog or something, and then they think they've learned this great truth, and then they go and they try to act like they figured this out themselves. They discovered this. And the truth is, not only did that guy that they found on the Internet, and there's a zillion other ones just like him. He copied it from another guy on the Internet. And, you know, you're singing the same song that a lot of other weirdos are singing. You did not learn this from the Scriptures. And so we'll talk a little bit about what the perverts of Scripture are saying. But uh, I want us to. But then we're going to show what the Bible really says about this. But Psalms 119, verse 45. I love this verse of the Bible, and I'm just using this to kind of kick it off. It says, "I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts." Okay, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Many people, when it comes to the commands of God, when you start talking about commandments, when you start talking about laws, you know, when you start talking about thus saith the Lord. The, per, the, you know, the religious perverts, they act like you're trying to steal their liberty. Like you're trying to take away their liberty. And they'll say just ridiculous. I have individual soul liberty. You know, you can't tell me what to do. 
Uh, you know, I am not. You know, Jesus, He did away with the law. You know, He He fulfilled that law, and I am not under the law. And they'll start quoting passages of Scripture. But once again, it, you know, the devil quotes Scripture. We see the devil quote Scripture in the Bible, doesn't he? When he tried tempting Jesus, he kept quoting Scripture at him. But what did Jesus do? He quoted more Scripture back at him. Why? Because the devil, he was he was twisting it. He was misusing these scriptures. He was making it. You know, he was implying that it meant something that it did not mean. And many people do that. They will take quotes right out of the Bible and imply it means things that nowhere in the Bible does it teach that it means that. But this basic concept of individual soul liberty, or as you know, Baptists refer to it as soul competency. It, that one definition is that it's uh, in that in matters of religion, each person has the liberty to choose what his or her conscience or soul dictates is right and res, is responsible to no one but God for the decision that is made. Okay, now you can see real easy why this would you know where people can go with this. All right, they like certain things in there that hey. I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to God. I have individual soul liberty. You know, you're absolutely right. Okay? You're absolutely right. right? We have liberty from the power of Satan. Okay? But what was that power that he had over us? Okay? Because it was Satan that caused us to sin and transgress the law. Okay? And so having said that, why would liberty mean freedom? To sin, when the Bible teaches that sin is bondage. Okay, look at Acts chapter twenty-six, verse eighteen. I'm going to be jumping around a lot of scriptures. If you want to try to follow, you can. But it says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Okay, God wanted He wanted to open their eyes from darkness to light. He wanted to deliver us from the power of Satan. It was Satan that kept us in bondage. And what was that bondage that he kept us in? Well, it was the bondage of sin. And sin is a transgression of the law. So how could liberty mean you are now free to transgress the law when transgressions of the law are what bring bondage? That makes no sense at all. That would be like saying, you know, God gives us... He, you know. It would be like the governor going and telling some guy, you know, we're going to, he tells a prisoner maybe, all right, I'm going to free you from prison. I'm going to give you liberty, but you have to live in the, you have to stay in the prison. Well, then how is that liberty? You know, something's got to change here. He needs to be able to get out of there. And when God delivered us from the power of Satan, it was from the power of sin. So why are people trying to say liberty is the ability to stay in sin? The ability to stay in prison. You know, maybe somebody, a guy, would be okay if he was if he had to stay in prison as long as he could leave when he wanted to. But I don't know about I don't, brother Pete. You know, you work at a prison. Do you ever have anybody that comes back just for a visit? Just you know, hey, I just wanted to come back for old time's sake. You know, I think most people when they get out of prison, they don't want to come back. You know, they they don't even want to drive by that place. They don't ever want to see it again. And yet we've got these people that are talking about liberty is the ability to go back into bondage. That doesn't even make sense. Christ, He delivered us from the power of Satan. And that power that He had over us was keeping us in sin. Causing us to sin. 
And Christ delivered us from that. We don't have to sin anymore. We don't have to deal with the bondage of sin. And so, when they talk, you know, with that, with that soul, individual soul liberty, okay, each person has the liberty to choose what his or her conscience or soul dictates is right. Okay? Now, can you think where that might go bad? Well, all somebody has to do is say, well, you know what? My soul doesn't think it's wrong to do this or that. I, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, uh, you know, the, when people like to bring this up is when you start talking about separation. That's what will always get them throwing this at your face. You know, some preacher will get up and he'll just start ripping on separation. You know, you know, men, you need to dress like men. Women, you need to dress like women. And then, you know, the young trendies, they'll start talking about their individual soul liberty. Well, I'm only accountable to God. That's absolutely true. We are accountable to God, but doesn't God give us preachers to tell us what the Bible says? And listen, if you don't do what the Bible says, you're not going to stand before me on Judgment Day. You're going to stand before God on Judgment Day. Okay, you know your your soul, and what what it, this individual soul liberty thing was meant to teach too. You know, you had the Catholic Church that tried to act like you had to have a priest to be able to have access to God. You know, you had to go through a priest basically to be able to get to Christ or get to heaven. You know, when the Bible teaches there's only one advocate that we have, there's one mediator, Jesus Christ, the Catholics for years, they made, they made their people feel like they had to be dependent on a priest. Well, we don't believe in that. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. Okay? But, and so they will hear a preacher get up and start telling them what the Bible says and they feel like that's taking away their liberty. No, that's not what it means. Oh, see, we're obedient to God not out of like a slavish fear, is one way I've heard it put, but out of a childlike love and of a willing mind. Okay, that is, uh, you know, children, they naturally want to please their parents, don't they? I mean, you know, kids, they love impressing their parents. You know, they, they, they want to please them. I mean, you know, Kaylee, she even tries to, you know, she's not mine, but she's always trying to impress me, you know, wanting to show me some new move that she's got. She was doing her gymnastics down there on the chair thing today, swinging around, and she kept showing me. You know, just, just trying to impress. You know? And, you know, your kid, your, all your kids do that. My kids do that. You know, Dad, watch this. You know, they want, they, they want to please their parents, don't they? And, but at the same time, you know, we are children of God, and sometimes we displease them, don't we? You know, anybody in here, I think everybody in here loves their, their kids, but have you ever been displeased by your kids? Oh, absolutely, you know, and that doesn't that doesn't mean that we don't love them. And you know what? We can displease God, but you know what? When when we displease God, or when we displease our parents, for example, I displeased my parents many times growing up. But while I wasn't, while I was scared for fear of a spanking or something like that, I was never I never feared for my life. Okay, you know, every kid has said my parents are going to kill me. But you know, none of your kid, none of your kids ever thought my parents were really going to kill me. None of them ever feared for their life. I never thought, you know, I'm afraid this is it. My dad's going to disown me. I'm getting thrown out of the house. I, I, I never had that. I never felt. I never felt that way. But I did. You know, you know there was times I knew I displeased them. I knew there was going to be punishment because I was his child. But at the same time. There's a big difference between that and imagine, you know, none of us can really imagine this. We never had it, but imagine being someone's slave. 
Imagine being owned by some wicked master that had the ability to kill you and put you to death if he wanted to. You know, I'd be really scared of upsetting that guy. And when we get saved, we become children of God, and we're not scared of God, you know, out of a slavish fear, but out of a childlike respect. We know that God's our Father, that He can punish us. And you know, and a lot of these people that are perverting this too, you know, they're saying things like, you know, basically we can't displease God. You know, they'll say things, you know, we don't even need to ask for forgiveness. The forgiveness is already there. And listen, any parent who's ever had their kid do something wrong, you never stop loving your kid. But you know what? You do want apologies from them, don't don't you? You want them to acknowledge what they've done wrong. You still love them, but you're still displeased. You're going to give them the forgiveness. You know, you're, you're going you're to let them have it, but you still want them to acknowledge what they've done wrong. And this attitude that you know we don't even need to ask God for forgiveness when we mess up—that's ridiculous. That that that's that's it makes no sense. It's absolutely nuts. But you know, he um, you know, children do—they want to please their parents. They often fail, and when they do, you know, there is supposed to be loving but unpleasant punishment that comes from the parent. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. You all see that? It is a, it's not pleasant, but it is beneficial. And guess who the only people are who get chastened by the Lord? His children. Okay? So, there is punishment for Christians when we mess up. We do displease God. You know, as parents, I never, I never punish my children when they please me. It's when they displease me. That's, that's when you punish them. That's, that's when you do something. And when we displease God, there's chastening. Luke one seventy three says, "...the oath which He sware to our father Abraham, that He would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear." and holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. Y'all see that? God wanted us to serve Him without fear. Well, what about all the verses? You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Once again, there is a difference between a slavish fear and a childlike fear, the way a child fears his parents. There's a huge difference. And that childlike fear of a parent, that you know, or even a respect, you could say, it really is... A wonderful thing. There are children who they don't fear their parents at all. Their parents won't do a thing to them. They can go to school. They can get in trouble. They can be flunking out. They can be giving the teachers grief. The teacher can call their parent and say, hey, your kid did this and this and this. And you know what that parent will do? He'll get mad at the teacher. You know, today, you know, the trendies would say, well, that's, you know, that's a good parent because they're just being like God and He's never displeased with us and parents should never be displeased with their children. Yes, they should. They should be very displeased sometimes. They need you know, to spank the fire out of them when they do something like that. And that's exactly what God does to us. And so we do. We, we do not fear God in that slavish sense. Okay? But we do fear Him in like a father-son sense or a parent-child in a, like a parent-child relationship, and so uh, turn over to James chapter four, verse twelve. So you know, once again, you know, in matters of religion, each person has the liberty to choose what his or her conscience or soul dictates is right. 
He said, and you, when you say that, it'd be real easy to take that and twist it and make it mean things it doesn't. And so what they'll do, a preacher like myself might get up and we will read a very clear scripture that, I mean, you know, this, this is clear, this is sin. It is clear in the Bible that you should not want, you should not do this. It is very clear that God does not want His children involved in this sin. There are certain things in the New Testament that it says that are not supposed to be once named among you as become as saints. And so what they'll do, when you get up and you start railing against sin, and when you start speaking out against sin, and saying things should not be in the church that God clearly said, I don't want them in the church, I don't want them, to, you know, you need to purge out the leaven, they'll start saying that we're judging. But look at what James chapter 4 verse 12 says. It says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Okay? Y'all see that? We're not supposed to judge other people. There's one lawgiver. Who is that lawgiver? Jesus Christ. I should not be a lawgiver to all of you. I hope y'all don't go home and you know you're going to hurt your family if you go home. It's like, all right, kids, we got a whole bunch of new rules tonight that we are going to enforce in this house. We got these rules from Brother Tommy. These are Brother Tommy. You're just going to make your kids hate me if you do that. Okay. Now, if I get up and I preach a bunch of rules that are from the Bible, okay. And you learn it that hey, this is from the Word of God. Don't go home and blame me for this. Say, hey, we got a bunch of new rules that you know, brother Tom. You can say, brother Tommy, help teach us from the Scripture. But these things are from God, and because we have that individual soul liberty, we have a responsibility that's between us and God, and we are going to implement these things in our life. I am not a lawgiver for anyone. There's only one lawgiver. Romans 14, verse 4 says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Alright? So right there, we see, you know, I cannot judge what has not been given to me as a responsibility. You know, I'm not your kids' parents. Okay? I am not, uh, you know, none of you other ladies are my wife. So, I don't get to make rules for you. I don't get to make laws. I don't get to give commands. I am not your authority. God is your authority. But at the same time, as a pastor, I am supposed to be helping teach you what the Bible says. And we'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. But you know, we have no business getting caught up in serving the commandments of men. Okay? And this is, this is the thing they do too. It's like they can't see past... The fact you know, we're, these things we're up here preaching, it's like I talked about this morning, they're so focused on the messenger. It's like, no, listen, this is not from me. This is from the Word of God. You know, and part of the problem is you've got a lot of preachers that you know, blow a lot of smoke and yell out a lot of commands and they don't back it up with Scripture. And you know, if you do that, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. If I can, you know, there's a lot of things I'd like to preach, but I haven't found clear enough Scripture on it yet, so I back off. And uh, I'd love to be able to preach it because it's my opinion, and I think my opinion's right. But you know, until I find the clear Scripture, I'll leave it alone. But look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 7:23. It says, "Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men." Did I pay for any of y'all souls in here? Did any preacher pay for your souls? Did any preacher die on the cross for you? Did any other Christian die on the cross? No. Only one did that. 
You were bought with a price by Jesus Christ. But yet many people, they're in churches, sometimes Baptist churches, and yet they are serving the man instead of serving God. And that man, you know, they're right with God as long as that man is right with God. You know, they're in line with the Scripture as long as that man is in line with Scripture. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, but it's the way it is in a lot of places. Matthew 15.8 says, "...the people draweth nigh unto Me with their mouth, and honoreth Me with their lips, but their heart is far from Me." But in vain do they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Even back in Jesus' time when he was on earth, it had gotten to the point in religion where a lot of what was being taught was commandments that came from men. And they were teaching them as Bible doctrines. Now, I know that doesn't happen in churches today. No, that does happen in churches today. There are things that literally, they are the commandments of men things that you can't find clear Scripture on, things you can't even find vague Scripture on, but they are taught as Bible doctrine. This is the truth, and you've got to do it. And you know, you know what I love when preach. This is a great trick a lot of preachers use. I try not to do this. But they'll get up and they'll make some real extreme statement. And read your Bible! Okay, where, where do I find that? You know, they won't tell you the reference, but they'll just, you know, you don't know what? Read, read your Bible! You'll find it! You know, and it's like, no, you can't. I try not to. I hope I don't do that. But if I, I'd like to let people know where they can find it. But uh, we're not supposed to do that. We are not supposed to be following the commandments of men. We're supposed to be following the commandments of God. This is between you and God as an individual. Colossians two twenty. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not. Handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. There's a lot of things that people have come up with, you know, doctrines, ordinances, whatever, that are pretty impressive. Okay? You know, I'm going to admit there are some religions that impress me. Sometimes I'm impressed by the Amish people. They can live the way they live. I'm impressed with what they have denied, you know, in their life. You know that they've denied a lot of the technology. I'm not talking about the Amish around here. Amish around here, they're a bunch of phonies with their cell phones and cars and uh, you know things. You know that that's not being Amish. But the ones that are really doing it, you know, impressive. Why? They're good people, nice people. But those are the commandments of men. We're not we're not supposed to mess with that. Touch not, taste not, handle not. These things, why would we do that? We are supposed to be in Christ. We are we're dead to those things. And so the Bible is very clear that we are not supposed to be caught up in the doctrines of men. But what these you know people who perverted this doctrine are doing, they take things that are clearly Bible, especially the separation issue, and they act like it's the commandments of men. And then they'll start making all these claims and using all you know, you can't tell me that, but listen, if it's if it's from the Bible, you know, we're supposed to tell you. And if you obey it or don't obey it, that's not between you and me, it's between you and God. And God uses He uses preachers. We talked about this morning. How can they hear without a preacher. 
Somebody's got to be proclaiming it. We are not to obey men, but God uses men to teach others what God expects of them. And that's all we're doing. I know there's some preachers out there that are dictators. I know there are some preachers out there that would love to control every aspect of your life. But you know what? I don't think most of them are like that. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4 says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You all see that? That... Paul said, hey, I'm nothing. All, those of you that are saying I'm a Paul and Apollos, why would you do that? All we are, we are the ministers that the Lord gave to every man. We are what God used to cause you to believe. That's what God gives every man. Nobody has ever gotten saved without a preacher. Okay? Well, maybe you read something. Well, some preacher wrote that down for you to read. Somebody proclaimed it. Somebody got the message to you. And when it comes to the doctrines of God, the teaching to observe all things, that's up to us. That's up to all of us as Christians. That's up to preachers. We are supposed to be teaching the Scriptures, the doctrines of God. We're supposed to be telling you what the Bible says. We're supposed to be telling you what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. We're supposed to tell you about the consequences if there are any that are mentioned. And you might not like it, but at the same time, you are... Yeah, you're accountable. It's between you and God. But let me tell you something. When God puts a preacher in your life and He tells you the truth and you don't listen, you're disobeying God, not disobeying the preacher. And people, though they can't see past that, they can't see past the messenger. 2 Corinthians one twenty four, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. You all see that? He said, we don't have dominion over your faith. At least I hope not. I hope I don't have dominion over your faith. I hope if I quit tomorrow that you all don't quit too. Not only would that... I mean, that would be a very sad testimony for all of you if I walk away from it all tomorrow and I quit and I say enough's enough, I'm done, and then you all quit too. You know what? Y'all are pathetic. And that happens all the time in churches. The preacher goes bad and everybody else in the church goes bad. The preacher quits and then you know half the church quits. You know what? That tells me that was a sorry bunch of Christians in that church. Shows me they were following a man. They were teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. You know, it's amazing how many people I've seen that they will leave a good Bible believing church. And when they were in that church, boy, they were living one way, you know, they practiced separation, they did they, you know, they did all these things in their life, and then they get out of that church, and then now they just completely change their way of life. And then they'll say, Oh, I never believed that. Oh, but you let a man control you all those years. You know, you let a man tell you what you do. You let a man, you let a man dictate how you lived your religious life. And so basically, you're saying you've been following a man all these years instead of following Christ. Well, aren't you a phony? You know, aren't you pathetic? And now you just are following another man, just one that has made the load a little lighter, I guess you could say. <laughs> one, who's, one who's just a little more liberal. You know what? You're sorry. You're pathetic. You're supposed to be following God. And many people, they just they can't do that. They cannot. It's, like, it's almost like they're incapable of following someone they can't see, which is just called having faith. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to get saved if you can't do that, if you don't have faith. 
But Paul said, we don't have dominion over your faith, but we're helpers. Okay? You know, we're, we're, we're helping you along. That's all I'm trying to do. Whenever I preach and I show you what the Bible says, I'm trying to help. Okay? If you are not living the way God has told you to live, you're gonna, you know, there's gonna be consequences. You're not gonna be as happy. You're gonna miss out on blessings. And I'm just trying to help. And it might not be what you want to hear, but you know what? I gotta at least do my part. But yet, people they just they they don't want to hear it. Nope, I've got my individual soul liberty. So okay, so basically, if it's the way that you're wanting to push it, maybe what we all need to do then, since it's just between us and God and our conscience, how about if I just don't read my Bible at all? If I don't know what the Bible says, am I no longer accountable? And my wife asked me that today. You know, these preachers who think they're preaching the truth, but aren't. You know. Are they going to be in trouble on Judgment Day? I'm like, yeah, it's not God's fault they were lazy in studying their Bible. It's not God's fault they got deceived. He's given us His perfect Word, so it's their fault. If you get deceived by another preacher, I mean, obviously God's going to hold the deceivers accountable, but He's going to hold those who are deceived accountable too. It's your responsibility to get in the Word and to study it, to figure out what it says, to figure out what God expects. And hopefully, I will be able to help you with that. Hopefully, as somebody you know who studied the Bible for years, I can maybe you know point you in the right direction if you're struggling with something. You know, some th- there are some things in the Bible that it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of study, and there's nothing wrong with you know benefiting from what somebody else has figured out, what somebody else studied. Okay, we do that all the time in every other subject, in science and history. And math, you know, you remember how to figure out square roots of weird numbers in school? Remember that process, how long it took and how complicated it was? Who figured that out? I mean, who in the world figured out how to do that? You know, that that was impressive. You know, I'm glad we don't all have to go and figure out how to figure out a square root. I'm glad when I did that in school, they gave me directions. Hey, this is how you figure it out. And I don't remember how to do it anymore. But... uh, now I just use my calculator. But, <laughs> but that, that's real easy. But you know what? Somebody had to program that calculator how to know how to do that too. We all do that. We all benefit from other people's study all the time. That's, that's just wise. That's Second Timothy 2, verse 2, you know, about teaching you know, faithful men to teach others also. That's what we do. But ultimately, you are responsible and a preacher is just a helper. We are a helper trying to help you. We don't have dominion over your faith. By faith you stand. Ultimately, it's going to come down to faith between you and God. And I hope I can be a help. But then, you know, grace. Okay, you know, when he's whenever you start talking about laws and whenever you start talking about commandments, even though many of the passages in the Bible that talk about liberty, we're not going to go to all of them. They mention laws in there too. Who look into the perfect law of liberty? You know, I uh, and I walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. He's saying I find liberty by following your word, by following your commands, your laws. And they'll start talking about grace. Well, we're under grace now. We're in the age of grace. Okay. And I got news for everybody: it's always been by grace. Okay. We're not going to talk about dispensationalism tonight. It's coming, but let me tell you, it's always been about grace. All right, we have always been, we have always been under grace. But Romans six one says, "What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein?" 
If people who use grace as an excuse to sin, they don't understand that that you know that grace of God that bringeth salvation. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. You know, it it it's that grace is what gets us out of the sin. It doesn't get us into sin. It's like you know, grace. That now I can be in sin and still be clean. Now I can be in sin and still be happy. No, grace is what teaches you to get out of that. You know why a lot of the world is doing a lot of the wickedness they're doing that's making them miserable because they don't understand. They you know they don't they haven't been taught they haven't experienced the amazing grace of God and so there they are dead in their sins and. They can't seem to get victory. You can't get them out of it. They can't even see that the suffering in their life is because of sin. But those who God has saved, those who have experienced the grace of God, they now understand why they had all the pain. They understand why they went through the things that they went through. And now, they're getting out of that and are living a life that's free from the bondage of sin and those penalties that come with sin. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Y'all see that? We don't. This isn't an excuse. Okay? And the Bible, you know, all this stuff we're teaching here, the Bible teaches very clearly in Jude that this kind of teaching was going to come. It's called turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Okay? That, that's very clearly taught. I'm not surprised this is going on. You know, because I'm a Bible believer, you know, I expect this. I think this kind of teaching, uh, the bad teaching I'm talking about, the perverted teaching on this, I think it's going to get real big. I think we're going to be seeing this a lot in Baptist churches. We are seeing it a lot in Baptist churches, especially by guys that are my age. It's it's pretty sad. But I'm not surprised the Bible said it was going to happen. The Bible made it very clear. That was going to happen. And churches today, they're becoming so carnal, you know, that people that are perverting doctrines that Baptists have believed for years, you know, they're they're making them mean things that no one ever thought they meant. It, you know, we talked about that this morning. You know, I read that verse in James about one who comes in with a gay clothing. I said, you know, that's not the guy in skinny jeans. You know, no, not that kind. You know, people don't even know what gay means. The meaning of it has changed. They have perverted that word. They took a good word, you know, gay means happy or bright or whatever, and they turned it into something disgusting. That's what the devil does. You know, our world today, they've, they've perverted marriage. Okay? Marriage, everybody used to know what it meant. It was, you know, a covenant between one man and one woman, and people used to even know that it was a permanent thing. But you know what? You know, the, the perversion of marriage, it started long before the homosexuals. It started when people just started getting divorced whenever they wanted. They, perver- they, they, perver- they perverted marriage. I mean, one of God's first institutions, one of the greatest things God's created, they perverted it. People are perverting words all the time. You know, good words, turning them into something bad. Bad words, making them something good. And people are perverting doctrines right now. And things that people have you know, for years, and you know, now liberty. When you start talking about liberty, people start thinking, "Wow, you're a liberal." No, you know, that's not all. People are just they're perverting these things, and people they fall. And there's a reason everybody's falling for this stuff. Okay, there is a very simple reason. While the kind of teaching I've been talking about, the perverted teachings on liberty and grace, 
the reason they are so popular, we can find out in Second Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. There is a very simple reason. I see why people are falling for this. It's crystal clear. Second Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Right here, it says the way they speak these great swelling words and they are appealing to the flesh. Okay, There's one thing that we all have in common. The flesh. You know, everybody has that one thing in common. We've all got the same flesh. We are all made out of the same flesh that comes from Adam. Now, saved people, they have something, that's something that we have that the world does not have. That's why we can understand the world. The spiritual, you know, he judgeth all things. We can understand the lost people because we're made out of the same flesh they are. But the natural man cannot judge the spiritual man. They cannot understand the spiritual because they don't have that part of them. They are, they are not saved. They're lost. And a lot of these preachers that are preaching this stuff, they are very good at attracting people to them because they use the lust of the flesh. But they are in error. They themselves are servants of corruption. Okay, What is it that corrupts us? Well, it's sin that corrupts us. It's because of sin that we are all dying. Every one of us in here are eventually going to physically die because we are corruptible. Why are we corruptible? Because we've sinned. And these people, they are serving corruption. They are serving sin. Why? Because they are in bondage. But they, they, call them, they call it liberty. They promise them liberty. Which I think that's interesting too because who else promises liberty right before taking everybody in bondage? That's what dictators do. That's what the government does. Hey, we're going to give you liberty and... They, the way they give us liberty, they got to take all our freedom. I mean, it, the, our government is just the master of that. You know, they just call it a Patriot Act or something, and you know, and then oh, I'm for it. You know, oh, we're just going to take more of your liberty. Oh, well, it's for our, yeah, we're we're just try, we're trying to help you enjoy liberty. You know, we're trying to spread freedom. We're trying to spread liberty. We're going to do that by taking taking control of the world. I mean, what a lie that is. Our government does it, and you know what? Preachers do it too. They're promising people liberty. Hey, we're going to give you everything you want. We're going to give you heaven and we're going to give you the lust of the flesh. We're going to give you heaven and sin. You know, we're going to, we're going to give you Christ and you can live like the devil. Kind of like our politicians. Hey, we're going to give you everything. We're going to lower your taxes and we're going to raise your welfare. You know, I mean, they can't do that. You know, but, but they tell people that. And so people, all right, here, take my freedom. Here, I'll vote for you. You know, yeah, go ahead and pass this law. Hey, you know, I could do, you know, Paul, I could do a lot more for you if we didn't have free speech. If we didn't have all these people out there telling the truth. Let's get rid of free speech, and then we'll up everybody's welfare, and we'll make you safer, and we'll make, give you more. People will do it. It's amazing how many people are against free speech now. I mean, 
That used to just be something everybody was for, but people aren't. People aren't for it these days. But the Bible says, you know, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord, and they are entangled again there. And a lot of these people that get caught in this, they're saved people. But then they go and they get they get they become servants of sin again. I mean, Pete, there are there are Christians, there are saved people that did they got out of that messed up lifestyle. They started following the commands of God, but then they went and started listening to some ding dong on the internet, some you know little trendy up there preaching in his skinny jeans. You say, oh man, your preacher doesn't let you listen to Christian rock music. What a legalist! You know how you know he did. Oh man, your your preacher doesn't think you ought to dress like a queer. You know, I mean, whatever. How how dare he do that? Who is he to judge you? We've got individual soul liberty. Come over to my church, and you know what they do? They get these people all caught up in sin again. And you know it. It's amazing how, and when it says their uh, latter end is worse than the beginning, you know it does seem like sin is worse on us than it is on lost people. You ever notice that? How when saved people they decide, you know, yeah, Pastor Trendy told me that social drinking is okay. How it seems like they get more trouble with alcohol in their life than lost people who do it all the time. It's amazing the way that works. When they start messing with certain things, how you know the immorality just completely, you know, how their marriages fall apart. It, I mean, it's they are worse off. Why is it? Why is God so much meaner to them? They know the truth. They know the truth. They've got the Holy Spirit inside them, but they let some false prophet go and who was a servant of sin himself and turn them from that. And why did they do that? It's that proverb. He mentions the it goes back in Proverbs. The dog is turned to his own vomit, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I don't believe this means a person loses their salvation, but you know we still have that old nature in us, don't we? And if we're not careful, a person can get saved, and they can go back to living like a pig spiritually and living like a dog spiritually. And that happens, and it happens because of these people who come along promising liberty, saying liberty is not following the laws of God when that is completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. That What's so great about that individual soul liberty is the fact that you can, you can be obedient to Scriptures. You can all by yourself. Have a relationship with God. You can know what's right. You don't have to have me to know what's right. You don't have to have me to have a relationship with God. Okay? Thank God He's given us preachers that can help us find our way through the Scriptures and, you know, and other Christians, more experienced Christians that can help us and mentor us and be an encouragement to us. But you know what? When it comes down to it, on Judgment Day, even though you're members here of this church, I'm not going to be there standing on the throne talking to you. And you know what? When you're standing there and Lord's talking to you about some of the things that you didn't do, you can say, well, you know, my pastor never preached on that. And you know, I'll get in trouble for that. But you're still going to be in trouble for not obeying that. God still expects you do this yourself. Why? Because you have that individual soul liberty. And it really, when you stop and think about it, it kind of puts some responsibility on us, doesn't it? 
I think a lot of people, they like the idea. I know this is true. There's a lot of people that like the idea of a priest or a church being in charge of their soul. They are. They're so lazy in their spiritual life. You know what? I'll leave it up to my priest. You know, my priest says I'm okay. Well, yeah, but look what the Bible. Look how much there is in there. I'm not reading all that. I don't understand half of it. I'm not studying that. My priest says I'm okay. And you know what? I trust my priest. I trust my preacher. Well, okay, you know, I've heard Baptists say that about you know ridiculous things. If you challenge them on a doctrine, well, I believe my preacher. Well, good. You know, I'm glad you you have a preacher that you think you can trust. But you know what? Sometimes men get it wrong, and you better make sure you're right. And so this Baptist Baptist distinctive of individual soul liberty or soul competency. This is a wonderful thing. We are at liberty. We do not have a slavish fear of God. We have, we have a childlike fear. We are His children. We are not afraid of Him. He's not going to disown us. He's not going to take away our salvation. Okay? He will chasten us. God, God says He'll do that. But you know what? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, we are His. And thank God for that. No matter what happens, you can have a relationship with God. If I die, you can still go on and have a relationship with God. If I go liberal, if I start preaching lies, you know what? you still got a Bible. You can still know the truth. You can. If I go and I'm doing everything wrong, you can still go on and do the right thing without me. And that ought, that ought to excite you. That you don't have to have that you don't have to have me. I hope I'm a help. But once again, it's between you and God and I hope you'll take that responsibility. So with that, let's all stand together.